0: The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not
1: necessarily those of the management or ownership of 1500 ESPN.
0: The following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the
2: path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Hey, hey, welcome to Cover Your Assets. Yeah, yeah, you're going to cover your sorry Assets, Yeah, man. That's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, you tell them, man. I'm telling them. I'm telling them, Joe. You stay with me. I need a co-pilot to keep me straight and narrow. I'm your wingman. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'll have you hanging out on the wing. All right. All Thanks. right. I'll get my parachute.
1: <laughs>
2: yes, pack your own parachute, because if I do it, it could be bad. <laughs> All right. So listen, we're going to talk about education because it is apparently, as I am told, the number one topic for uh, younger people. Education. And Joe, why do we need an education? Education is very important because you got to be able to sound smart when you're like in college and you're trying to pick up, pick up, you know, the, the, the uh, person of your dreams, right? That's right. That's that's, that's, a what, key that's thing. the only reason. And That's that the main can, thing, I guess. That way you can marry well and you won't have to work. That's the reason you want to, huh? Well, no. at least we have to try to fake it once right. in a while. Well, there we go. You, know, you and me are going to be good at that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so so maybe an education has a purpose, like to get a job. to oh, to A to, job? You know, I know, it's just it's a dirty word. I hate to say it on the air, but uh, or a profession. Uh, maybe they want to, uh, maybe they want to, uh, you know, enter a profession. That's possible. And, you know, as much as this is being said in jest, I cannot tell you the number of people that I talk with who go to school, uh, pursue a particular direction in their education at a, at a, uh, at, a, at a, a, a very costly direction sometimes, and, Never consider what they're going to do for a living, how much they're going to earn, and the lifestyle that that is going to uh, afford them. And that is a mistake. Uh, I call it monetizing an education. Monetizing an education to me is no different than looking at a business and analyzing whether it's a good investment. uh, If it's a profitable business, if it's one that has longevity, Uh, all of those things would be obvious when analyzing a business. But apparently, apparently it's not obvious when it comes to picking a career path uh, or, or an educational path that leads to a career path. And that is a travesty. And I don't know why, I don't know why it is. I, I don't know why our parents don't tell us, you know, it's not just about pursue your passion, honey. It's about, it, 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 sure, you want to enjoy what you're doing, but you also want to make some good money doing it, or at least as best you can within your skill set or and or capabilities. <clears throat> now we're told today that that we're all going to be replaced by robots. AI is coming, and uh, when it does, we're all doomed, or maybe not. Joe, maybe once that happens, we all just get to sit home watch TV, eat bonbons, and get paid. Which sounds, I mean, that's a productive society, huh? I've done that for a while. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. I know there's some countries who have tried that. I, I understand that it leads to uh, alcoholism and drug addiction. I just can't figure out why. Um, I got know. out just in the nick of time. <laughs> got, out, got out of that career path, eh? The 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 melding oneself to one's couch. <laughs> there wasn't really any uh, moving up the ladder on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a sad deal in that. So <clears throat> honestly, uh, I don't I don't believe that uh, the robots are coming. It is true, but the notion that 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 um, everybody's going to be out of work because of AI. Um, artificial intelligence is, I think, nonsense. I think it's absolute nonsense. However, I do not think that it is nonsense to say that many of the the less skilled or unskilled labor jobs, many of them, not all, but many of them, may be replaced. That part is true. that That part is true. And so, some of the things that you hear coming out of the news um, about the fact that that immigration is problematic unless you have people who can function in uh, in a high tech society. That I can't disagree with that because invariably, if someone is not skilled and they do not uh, become skilled, then inevitably our society and those who are actually engaged in participating in in you know earning income and jobs are going to have to support them because that's what our economy does. So that's a problem. <clears throat> you know, it's a bit like. Social security when you had many, many people working because you haven't had an ever expanding and burgeoning uh, population to support social security. And then you get to a point where you've got, you know, three workers for every one person who's not working there. Well, that's a, That's a problem. And, and as that trend gets worse, obviously, you know, that's the same type of thing we might have going on if we don't focus on. Skilled labor, uh, high tech uh, education positions that will that will fuel the new economy. So we should uh, certainly be concerned with that. But the idea that that there's going to be no jobs, there'll be no work for anyone that 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 is, I, I think, ridiculous. We live in an, a very dynamic economy, and it is ever changing. And when you consider things like <clears throat> well, jobs that that today. Are, would not have even been thought of a generation ago. Uh, IT jobs and MIS. I mean, <laughs> IT and MIS, I don't know, 25 years ago, people didn't even know what it was, you know? And now management information systems and internet technology and, and, and all technology, those are some of the most, uh, the best jobs, the highest paying jobs. And certainly, uh, you know, engineering, computer science, and the like. That's that's where some of the best money is, some of the most high-paying jobs, and certainly uh, there's a reason you know uh, medical profession is is the sciences, and of course the medical profession is one of the best-paying sectors of our economy. So I don't think jobs are going to go away. It's a bit like a like a car that goes faster and faster uh, because its parts become more and more efficient. And that doesn't mean that we stop needing transportation. It just means it's going to be different. And I think that that is, that is inevitable. So the idea that there is a, a set number of jobs in the economy. And so if you replace those, well, then you're taking a portion. This is akin to someone thinking that if someone is making too much money, then that doesn't leave enough money for all the other people. And, and listen, folks, that. If you think that way, that is absolute nonsense. You create your own abundance. There is not there is not only so much, and if some people are taking more, then that means less for others. That's just absolute crap. Um, I studied economics in college, and that is surely not the case, never has been, and I hear people saying it yet repeatedly over and over again, and apparently if enough dumb people say the same thing over and over again, it becomes true. I don't know, but... That's really not the issue. The issue is that when, when one enters, uh, college, you have to have a sense of what it is that you're seeking before you even, uh, before you even begin, uh, considering a profession. So what do I mean by that? Well, my belief is that a person has to start with a lifestyle that they expect to have. Because ironically, if you work the, the numbers backwards, if you work the equation backwards, and I, I, I talk about this in many of the classes that I teach, wherein you start uh, with a lifestyle where you, and, and surely this has much to do with the upbringing of people, because your expectation is, I think, very much affected by the, by the way that you're brought up, by the, the uh, income of the family, the people that you hang around with. Uh, what their life is, if you if you're brought up in an upper upper class uh, uh, environment versus a, a middle class versus a, a lower middle class versus an impoverished environment, all of those things have great impact on young individuals, especially. And is that problematic? It is. It is very much problematic because they begin to see their world through through that you know, that uh, windshield, we'll call it. And so their expectations are diminished by what they see in front of them. And there's no getting around it because there's always going to be more pe- uh, more people who have less than there are the fewer people who have more because that's just competition. Not everybody gets to be Michael Jordan, you know. Um, it's it's the way it is. So <clears throat> it is a problem. But if if you were to start and put a budget together, and let a person, as I do, through the exercise, not concern themselves with the grand total. Because I can tell you that when I work with people on money, this is exactly what I do. When people do their own budgets, they are, they are encapsulated by the take-home pay, and as I lovingly like to say... They'll get some spreadsheet off the internet when they do their own budget. They'll get about halfway down the spreadsheet. And if the spreadsheet is 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 got the formulas built in wherein as they begin to fill it out, there's a summary that takes and summarizes the grand total as well as the totals within each expenditure category. As they're going along, they're looking at that grand total as it accumulates. And hey, about halfway through the spreadsheet, they they probably know what their take-home pay is. <laughs> Not always, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, as they get about halfway through, they're beginning to get a stomach ache for fear that the total will exceed their take-home pay, and obviously that's stressful, the heart rate goes up, and so the mind immediately wants to lower the heart rate and bring you back to a, a, a situation of equilibrium, And and so you start putting numbers in the spreadsheet as you go from there so that magically the grand total doesn't exceed your take home pay. But in reality, that is nonsense because that's not how you spend and live in life. In life, you walk into a store, you go to you go on a trip, you do what you do, you buy a car and you do it based on what you feel at the moment. And what you think, by goodness, I should be able to have my, I don't know, expectations, uh, whatever they are. And the irony is that when you do that with most people, you figure out very quickly. And i by the, by the way, I do mean most, despite the fact that everyone will tell, tell me that they're thrifty and they're frugal and they're not like other people and they cut coupons and all such absolute nonsense, despite all those things. When you give people the latitude to tell you what they really believe is okay in their minds, what they think they should be able to do. Well, when you grand total it up, let me tell you what, the take home pay will almost never support the lifestyle that they believe they should be able to have. So having said all of that mouthful, I think when people wanna consider uh, uh, a vocation, where they're gonna go, what they're gonna do, a profession that they're gonna pursue, I think you start with the lifestyle perception that they believe that they ought to be able to have, because remember, if they get to have that, then they're happy. And if they don't, if they're not able to have that, they're left wanting and become somewhat sour grapes in time and uh, become, you know, disheartened and, and, and uh, diminished. So I, I believe you start with What makes people happy? You know, when I got into the financial planning industry, they used to give you a test to see how, what your, what your ideal income level was. And, and ironically, even all those years ago, if your income level wasn't at a certain number, which was let's, we'll just call it significantly higher than the average, then they wouldn't hire you because they knew that if you reached that level, you would essentially quit because in your mind you were there. So I'm not gonna make any points about that necessarily other than the fact that it, it works. It it is how we function. So when you have a lifestyle expectation, if you meet that, then you feel as though you, you have accomplished what you need to and you're and you're a reasonably happy uh person. Uh feel accomplished, if you will. <clears throat> On the other hand, if you don't, well then you're then you're you're angry and in a lot of cases you have people who are frustrated with the fact that the profession or the The occupational path that they pursued doesn't isn't compensated adequately because it doesn't provide them with the life that they believe they should be able to have. Well, look, you should have done the numbers before dumb, dumb. Well, nobody told me to do that. Well, you're hearing it now. So you start with a budget. And you put in the trip that you believe you ought to be able to have. And you put in the fact that I think I'd like to have two children or three children. I know all this stuff changes. But, you know, it is ironic that that more often than not, people can tell you what what they want. A lot of cases, that's how you find your mate in life, because you have consistent ideas about what you want to do. So you put all that stuff down, and you sit down with your parents, and you ask them, hey, if I have a house like you and mom, how much are the utilities? You know, um, what is it, what is the car payment going to be? What's the insurance? How much is it going to cost for, for holiday spending? And how much is it going to cost when I want to have my kids in the same activities that I participated in, you know, basketball, baseball, hockey, football, dance, you know, all those things. And you put all that stuff in there and then you have a number, which means now that I need take home pay to support the lifestyle that I believe that I am somewhat entitled to. And that really is a word I tried to stay away from here, but I I, I don't know if I can, because it is how people feel. They feel as though they, sh- when I say, by goodness, I ought to be able to have, I know that's terrible English, uh, it is an entitlement mentality that I should be able to have this. And look, there's no free lunch here. The, the, that That notion of I should be able to have doesn't work in real life. It never has and it never will. And I hope it never does because I don't think it's, it's, it's successful. But nevertheless, people do think this way. And so when they go out and pursue an education, graduate from college and then enter a profession and become tenured in so much as they are at the close to the top income level that they're going to make as a practitioner in that. And it doesn't provide them the lifestyle that they believed that they should have been able to have they're angry at the world. And there's a lot of people who are at, in that situation. So you start with that total cost of living. Then you say, okay, what is the gross income that is gonna be required after withholdings to give me the take-home pay to support the lifestyle perception that I believe I should be able to have? Wow. Is that going to narrow the field in a big way? It's going to change things. It's going to change a lot of the the selections that someone would make. But see here again, even then you have people running around making stupid statements like money's not important. Well, let me just tell you, I think I've illustrated pretty well that people become very disenchanted with society and their lives in general. When those, when that job, doesn't equate to the lifestyle they think they should have. So to not look at it this way, I think is absurd. Having said that, 9 out of 10 people entering college don't do that. I already know that. So <clears throat> before you consider a, a, a path uh, academically, then you, you've got to consider the lifestyle that you want, I, I believe. Now, <clears throat> with that said, succeeding in college is, is no small thing, and so to now succeed where the education can be monetized, where you can earn the type of income that you wanna to earn to have the type of life that you wanna have, it becomes more challenging because while there certainly isn't the majority of people who actually do what I've just described, There are people who do, which means that you're going to have a whole lot of people who are going to be focused on the sciences, the financial industry, the medical profession. You're going to have people who will focus on where the money is, which means now it becomes more challenging academically. And obviously, that means tougher to get a job. So if your grades are not such, if you do not perform at a certain level, although you may graduate, you may not have a job or you may may not have a job at the higher income levels within that profession. So it becomes very, very challenging. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because of the fact that the vast majority of low-income people, who believe that education is their salvation. And I'm not even going to disagree with that because the truth is that for, for certainly lower income, probably college is the most, huh, the most reasonable path to a middle-class lifestyle. And notice I didn't say an upper middle-class or even an upper-class lifestyle. I said a middle-class lifestyle and if you actually sit down and calculate what a middle-class lifestyle is for most of us, that's not gonna be all that exciting. But for some who come from an impoverished background, a middle-class lifestyle is a dream. And so in saying that, I'm not gonna, gonna be disrespectful and diminish the significance of it. But for many people who, who come from that background, college education might be their only path to that. So that's an issue. This year, over 7 million low income Americans will attend college, and most of them, 70% plus, will not graduate. Will not graduate. Now, you know, when I, when I grew up in the late 70s, um, college was not what it is today. It was becoming that. But it wasn't what it is today. And of course, my, my, my son and people who are his age will tell you that a college education is what a high school education, you know, once was. And I, I can't disagree with that. In other words, you know, it's just so expected today, uh, in an interview process, certainly in the corporate world, uh, And yet, it's not like it's not like it it buys you the grandiose life. I remember when you know we had more a blue collar working class society on the whole, and you know if if somebody spent thirty years in a you know in a factory job, they saw the the one person who went to college who was who was overseeing that entire department and made more money than everybody else. So their dream of their child. Uh, doing better than them financially was to send their kid to college so that child could be the one at the front of the room making money and and managing the department or the the business or the company, which was reasonable. It's not that way anymore. It's not the same. Uh, In the 1940s, only one in 20 graduated from college. (laughs) However, by 1977, uh, that was one in four, which was which was a pretty dramatic change. One in 20, just think about that. Only one in 20 graduated from college in the 1940s, but by 1977, it was one in four. So college wasn't always so important. Uh, high school used to be enough. But in the 80s, the economy started to change. And ever since that, people without a college degree have really, uh, financially, uh, on a, on a, uh, and, and this is all statistics. So bear in mind that everybody can be unique in this regard. But ever since the 1980s, the economy has changed quite dramatically and people without a degree have fallen further and further behind. And yet at the same time, college educational costs have skyrocketed, skyrocketed. So today, as I said, for most uh, a college education is gonna be the only path to a middle-class life. But because of the cost, increasingly it becomes out of reach. Uh, The other thing is that a lot of the the programs that were established to allow a person to to who was who had uh, of lesser means to go to school, become less and less valuable as you go. You know, um, when when the when the when the Pell Grants were were instituted, Pell Grants uh they covered you know the the 50, over 50% of the cost of an education that's that's tuition fees room and board today that's less than 30% so you are up against a, a, a lot today and if you come from a low income background and especially if you go to to a community college oh man are you are you pushing hard against statistics if you plan to graduate and 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 obviously there are people who make a lot of money in the in the educational finance world who are preying on people who are who do not understand how this works, who want to go to college, want to pursue a, a reasonable life. And but they are completely lacking in experience in the world of money and finance. So we're going to be talking about that when we come back from the break. Let's take our first break and we will be back with Cover Your Assets talking about education, the value
1: GreatWatersFinancial.com.
0: Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investments' full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will
1: take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to
0: homerentalsystems.com or call now, 612-701-4375.
1: Accounting and bookkeeping services are no longer just about record keeping. For decades, Arliss Cleveland has been passionate about helping individuals and businesses look at their taxes and financials in a big picture strategy that allows them to position for maximum profitability. Arliss Cleveland Limited is big enough to handle any size client, yet small enough to give you the direct personal attention you deserve. Their philosophy is that accounting and tax services are about more than just numbers on a page. It's all about building client relationships that are personal. Call 763-786-462 for a free consultation.
0: What are the first three letters in the word smart? S M A. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made smart affordable since 1994. As an LP SmartSide Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the smart choice. Call today for your free estimate. eight seven seven SMA today, or go
3: online to SMA the number two D A Y So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, 3,800. If you are a current
1: business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business. Handle the filings and we'll meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's cya You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right.
2: Down payment blues. Yeah, man. All right. So let's let's uh explore uh some some more statistics which are pretty interesting, I think. Uh college graduation rates uh were were they peaked in 1983. Now, so this is graduation rates. Now, let's let's be clear about what this means. This means that Kids are going to college are prepared in high school to succeed in college. This is a this is a big deal because you know uh, the the educational system, especially those that are in the inner city, are frustrated with the idea that they have to reach standards um, to validate their jobs. And look. <laughs> I understand why they feel that way, because it is sadly the material that they're working with that is problematic. And it isn't that these that these kids don't have the ability. It is about the fact that they they come to school and they haven't eaten. They come uh, they're, they're dealing with their their home lives that are that are problematic and in chaos. And so when when when, you know, folks who are on the lower end of the economic spectrum come to college, they're not well prepared. Well, what we're saying here is that apparently in, in, in 1993, there was a lot of people, either one, that that came to college, uh, that being the vast majority, who were prepared. Uh, now, maybe we could, we could talk about, because I don't know, if the standards for graduation were less because the economy and the jobs were less demanding. I, I don't know the answer to that. But the idea that eighty uh, that there was an eighty percent graduation in nineteen ninety three that is just shocking. Um, it then sharply declined to the lowest point uh, of about forty five percent, and and that that was in in nineteen eighty two. And now it's at about seventy percent in two thousand one. Uh, today it stands at about seventy seven percent. And however, though. This is for the the high end uh which is which is the statistics that those who come from the top 15% of income earners. So in other words, the parents of these children are the top 15% of income earners who have now today a graduation rate of 77%. That's fabulous. Yeah, but but uh the the poor students have a 1 in 10 chance of graduating. A one in ten chance, as compared with the middle class, who have a thirty percent graduation rate, and the higher income class, a seventy-seven percent chance of graduation. Now, I want you to think about that. So, so for for all of the people who are middle class, who are desperately wanting their kids to go to college and graduate to presumably have a better life than they do, and and God love everybody. Who wants their kids to succeed? I mean, how can you not? But just imagine that even if you're middle class, your child has a 70% chance, 70% chance of not graduating from college when they go. And it goes without saying that we're going to, we're going to have kids who are going to have huge student loan debt, even though they don't have that sheepskin, that grad, that, that degree to go and get a job. I mean, if that doesn't sound like a problem to you, I don't know what else I can say here. And the irony is that that divide has grown wider and essentially become cemented into the statistics today. A one in 10 chance, one in 10 chance, that's a a 10% chance uh, that poor students who go to college will graduate. So, you know, you can give poor students, you know, free education all you want to try to lower the playing field. But if they don't graduate, who cares? And the fact that you're trying and trying to give them an education, you know, because you because it feels good. But the reality is that this is a huge drain on society because if they don't succeed, it's all for naught. Why is this a problem? Well, it's like I talked about the, secu- the Social Security issue, because we all have to support this failure. Because the reality is that they're going to have student loan debt. And here's the other reality. They're not going to pay it because they don't have the money and they don't have the jobs to pay it. So, you know, the the uh, the, the low graduation rates. Um, uh, and the high cost of education equates to massive student loan debt that's not being serviced. Low-income students will leave college, most of them, the vast majority, nine out of 10, that's the statistic, nine out of 10 will leave college worse off financially than when they arrived, meaning that they are even more unequal than when they came. So if they enter college, uh, they don't have any student loan debt until they go to college. So at least if they just went and got a job, they wouldn't have the burden of this massive amount of debt. <laughs> now that doesn't mean that their prospects of getting a job are, are are better, they're not, but their requirement in terms of income to be able to support themselves and pay those student loans is not there because they only have to support themselves without the student loans. So that's that's the real point. And the delinquency rates on student uh, loans—it's—it's higher by a considerable margin for obvious reasons. And and not only that, listen to this one: student loan uh, uh, default is one point two trillion dollars for student loans. It's higher than credit card debt. It's higher than than the delinquency on credit cards. It's horrific. Uh, in 1970, low-income students could get about, you know, the 50% that I, that I told you uh, from a Pell Grant. Now it only covers about 30%, which means the rest of it's got to be covered by other loans that they're going to have to repay. And if they don't graduate, 1 in 10, 90% failure rate. Guess what that means to society when we now have, uh, you know, federal student loan financing, which was $18 billion per year and is now over $100 billion. Uh, in 2001, federal financial dollars for profit schools went from 5 billion to 32 billion in 2010. And, and, and private is one quarter of all financial aid. That means they're making money and, and private most likely means that the interest rates are much higher than the federal loan interest rates. And here's the other thing to remember, folks. It's non-dischargeable in bankruptcy. If your kid has it, they can't get away from it. They can file bankruptcy and they can't walk away. Hell, the irony is they'd be better off putting their, their college education on a credit card because, you know, they could at least file bankruptcy and discharge it and move on with their lives. Of course, then society stuck with the debt. And that doesn't help us as a society. It's just all bad. It's just all bad. Um, uh, the the and there's you know there's ways to that that the the educ the the funders of an education have figured out how to get the most bang for their buck out of these students even though they know these statistics better than anybody so if this isn't distressing to to you as you listen to this man oh man and and it really does come down to this the fact the fact that 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 the education is accessible to more people. In fact, moreover anyone who wants to go to school. I mean, if somebody really wants to go to school, there are loans, there are programs. They will be able to go to school, but see, that's not the issue. The issue is, will they be financially productive in society as a result of that education, which is to say, will they graduate? Because if they're not going to graduate, They frankly would be better off not going to school at all. Now you might say, well, that's not true because then they, you know, they're, 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 they're going to, it's an introduction into the world and they're going to grow emotionally. And there's a lot of other great things that happen as a result of going to college. And I won't disagree with that. I mean, you know, I will not disagree with that, but at what cost that's, that's the problem at what cost. Let's take another break here, Joe, and we will be right back talking about the cost of education, whether or not your child that you want to send to college is actually prepared to graduate. We'll be right back.
0: He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds, and he has the power to regenerate entire limbs.
1: If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business, and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low, and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business. Handle the filings and we'll meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.
3: If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their are attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years' experience in this highly specialized field, and it is my job job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know, allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly, and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to cya21.com and get my free download Financial Crisis Bible or call us at 763-559-3800. That number again, 763-559
0: dot com.
1: You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Accounting and bookkeeping services are no longer just about record keeping. For decades, Arliss Cleveland has been passionate about helping individuals and businesses look at their taxes and financials in a big picture strategy that allows them to position for maximum profitability. Arless Cleveland Limited is big enough to handle any size client, yet small enough to give you the direct personal attention you deserve. Their philosophy is that accounting and tax services are about more than just numbers on a page. It's all about building client relationships that are personal. Call 763 786 Two six for a free consultation.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I like
0: to stand yeah, in something good.
2: I see you can go in the neighborhood. Brian Johnson, <laughs> let him go, man we may never hear from them live again so hey gotta love it while you can so hey you know the uh the uh, statistics are staggering are they not if you've been listening to this um the the uh challenge for a lot of people is that they don't they don't know these numbers uh and you know there's a lot of a lot of uh you know uh uh People who will say, "Well, you know, my kid's going to go to the community college down the road, or you know, a few miles away." <laughs> and what what people don't recognize is that that is not a a, a nice introduction into college. Uh, it is, in in fairness, uh, most likely, it is it is introducing them to a mentality of failure. We've talked about that on this show many times, and I'll say that, well, I, I I talk about this frequently in that when you do goal setting, you create goals that are so realistically accomplished that it's almost absurd to write them down as a goal. You, you know, why do I need to write this down? I know I can do this because you have to program your mind to begin to believe that whatever you put to paper, whatever you set as a goal, you will succeed. Having said that, the contrast is also true. In other words, if whatever you plan to do, you don't accomplish, You're now be, your, your mind now begins to become programmed uh, to failure, wherein everything that you set your mind to doesn't work out and why should this be any different because nothing else you've ever done has ever worked out. That is hugely problematic. You certainly don't want to set a precedent in a young person's life to, to look at the world in that way. Uh, goals are to be accomplished uh they are not to be uh you know failed. You, sh- you can't fear failure, but you have to detest failure. And so what are they up against when they go to a community college as compared with a with a with a uh you know a a four-year or university college? Well, big big difference. Um, nevertheless, community colleges are educating more than 50% of the people who are pursuing a college degree, at least to the extent that they are enrolled, but they are for the most part, educating low income students. Uh, they, they get, they receive for the education of, of a student about $12,900, <laughs> 12,000 bucks for a four-year education because yeah, the cost is low so everybody can afford it and that's great. But what about the education rates and what about actually the ability to in fact educate is the issue as compared with elite private colleges who have 67,000 plus per student. So they the, the community college has one-fifth the money to work with. So what does that mean? Well, it means that private colleges have a ratio of of instructor to student or professor to student of 14 to one, 14 students as low as, as low as, 14 students for one professor. In community colleges, because people are, are being, are, are taking courses, you know, online and everything else, there's virtually, there's very little interaction. And of course, you know, they come to class and there's You know how many hundreds of people sitting in an auditorium with one instructor, the ratio is in fact 750 to 1,500 to one. 750 to 1,500 students to one instructor. If that doesn't sound like a recipe for failure, and don't get me wrong, the community colleges are desperately trying to do a good job, so I'm not faulting them in any way, it just really comes down to the money they have to work with and and the and the default rate or the failure rate of those folks who go to school in that environment and and the failure is exceedingly high, which is not a surprise when you understand these statistics. Never mind the fact that these kids will have student loans, and remember, a lot of the student loans aren't going to be going to the pure cost of the education, the tuition, and the books. They're also, for the most part, going to probably be going to the cost of housing. So when you think about twelve thousand nine hundred eighteen dollars, you know, I mean, you think, well, they don't—they're not going to have that much in student loans. Well, remember something—it's all relative, isn't it? Because if somebody gets a job where they're only making thirty thousand dollars a year and they've got 10 or 20 thousand dollars in student loans. That's a heck of a lot of money to them, relatively speaking. Now, if someone has, you know, $50,000 in student loans, but right out of college, they get a job earning $70,000 a year. Well, that's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Don't get me wrong. Still a lot of money, still a ton of money. But hey, At least, and and this is the point about monetizing an education, you've got to look at the cost of the education, not unlike you look at the cost of purchasing a business and then look at the return on investment that you receive to make a good decision. And I've made the point, I've insinuated very harshly that that doesn't happen. So parents, wake up, get on the ball. Don't guide your child into a a dark hole that they can't escape. Uh, It's really a sad situation. And by the way, what happens when, when these young people default on these loans? Well, they lose their, their, their Title IV privileges. And what does that mean? Well, it means they can't get FHA loans. It means that they can't get SBA loans, small business loans. It means that they are limited in what they can do. Remember, an FHA loan allows you to buy a home with less money down. Well, if you're lower income, it stands to reason that you're not going to have as much money to save to put down on a house, which means now you're shut out from that. You want to start a business? Well, you're defaulting on your student loan privileges. Your Title IV privilege goes away. You're not eligible for any federal loans. (laughs) <laughs> so this is a, a nightmare of ep- epic proportions. And I don't even know that I have all the answers for it, but I think you, I think people just need to know the statistics and not after they've entered college and, and, and are three years into a career path. Uh, it's a little bit late to be figuring this stuff out. Not to mention the folks who will spend five and six years uh, pursuing a career path, changing their major three times and never graduating. Oh my God. So... Let's take another break. We'll be right back talking about the cost of education, monetizing that education, and a career path that makes sense for your child. We'll be right back.
0: Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential.
3: At Home Rental Systems,
1: we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to
0: homerentalsystems.com or call now, 612-701-4375.
1: Do you have enough to retire? Do you even know how much you need to retire? Great Waters Financial specializes in helping people nearing retirement get ready for their next big challenge. Great Waters Financial can help you understand how much you'll need for a comfortable retirement, how long your money will last, and what you need to do now to make sure you can retire the way you want to. You've earned a great retirement. Let the team at Great Waters Financial help you make it happen. Four convenient offices in the Twin Cities. GreatWatersFinancial.com You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker.
2: Hey, hey, we are back. Welcome to Cover Your Assets with your guide, Todd Rooker. How are you doing, everybody? Talking about student loans, educational path, financing, making money, monetizing that education, which is to say, what does that education translate into in terms of a, of a lifestyle and an income? To not look at that. And I'm aware that some folks would would consider me to be a bit warped in that you can't just look at the financial side of it. Yeah, but you have to look at it somewhat. The problem is most people don't consider it at all. It's just about what someone will enjoy in life. Well, it's not going to be an enjoyable life if you're broke. (laughs) Hello. And not to mention the fact that you can spend just as much money on an education for a low paying job as you spend on an education that has a high paying job at the end of the road. So come on, wake up. Uh, The other, maybe even more important issue is that everyone in today's economy needs to be open to change uh, and learning, because if you're not ongoingly learning, as we described or I described earlier in that our economy is dynamic and things are changing. Then you're going to be made obsolete because things are changing much too quickly. the The days of I'm going to get a a, a, a a position and get in the get get the right job with the right company with the right benefits and I'm going to be set for life. That's nonsense. You can throw that right out the window. And the job that you have today may not exist five years from now. I don't mean twenty five years from now. I mean five years from now, maybe less. So every, everybody has to have the capacity to learn. Getting an education from an, from an employer's standpoint is more about your capacity to learn than anything else. Everyone knows that you there are many people who are pursuing or practicing uh, a profession, a job, a career path. That isn't even what they studied in college. So, why, if that's true, was the college, was the requirement of at least a bachelor's degree even there in the first place? Uh, because they just want to be able to see that you have the capacity to learn and maybe even moreover that you finish what you start. Um, those are, that's just the basics. But that's not enough. <laughs> that's not enough. And so you've got to be prepared to to learn. And so, as we have illustrated here, when young people go to high school, they don't lo- they don't learn how to learn. And many people will go to go to college, uh, as I did, later, much later. And that's the way it goes. But but uh, or you may find yourself going back to school because things change. But here again, if you're doing that, and by the way, the number of people who come into my office who say, I want to go back to school to fix my financial problem and and use the same stupid mentality as they did before, huge problem. Focus on monetizing an income.